the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live Hour 2. We are together each and every day from 3 to 5 right here on this station or always on your favorite radio app. You just find KKLA or KPRZ on your favorite radio app. You can always listen anywhere in the world. And it's good to be with you. We also have a podcast you can find on our radio station websites or go to Spotify and look for Southern California Live and click subscribe. And you can listen anytime. It's always good to be with you. I'm Scott Furrow. You know, as we start a new year, I think it's important that we we try to be hopeful, right? Last couple of years, three years, right, have just been, you know, one doomsday story after another. And, you know, as as believers, we always should be on the side of hope and optimism, even though we know that there are times coming, according to the scriptures, that will be hard. But at the end of the day, for those who know the Lord, it's going to be great. If you're a believer, your future is always, the best is always yet to come. That is something you got to hold on to no matter what we're going through, good times or in bad. And I think about that because, you know, you get a New Year's episode of uh, 60 Minutes. Remember that show, uh, 60 Minutes? I think it's still on. It's still an hour. And uh, that used to be, I don't know if they even do ratings anymore. I just stopped watching a few years ago. I don't watch very much network television, but 60 Minutes is still on. It, it was like forever the third highest rated show in the country. And, you know, it used to do a lot of really good journalism. There's still some good stuff on there. Uh, I have st- I stopped watching it once Andy Rooney passed away, to be honest with you, because that was the best part of that program. You know, you ever wonder how much, why people like so much cheese? Most people like Swiss cheese, although some people like to be patriotic and buy big chunks of American cheese. You could write an essay about anything. And um, that was always fun. But then there's these news stories and there's hard news and some good stuff. Well, they started off the year in 2023 talking about how we're all going to die because of the sixth world extinction event. In what year will the human population grow too large for the Earth to sustain? The answer is about 1970, according to research by the World Wildlife Fund. In 1970, the planet's three and a half billion people were sustainable. But on this New Year's Day, the population is eight billion. Today, wild plants and animals are running out of places to live. All right. So there is a theory out there that says we are headed toward an extinction event. Another supposedly extinction events that have happened have happened because meteors have hit the earth or other things like that some scientists will say um and we're not getting into all the science about that or the things that um you know people are looking at but one of the things that i think makes these things difficult is that there's there's a lot one of them is a lot of the most dire predictions those things just never come true Right, we the weather stuff, the climate change stuff. Climate's changing, but the dire predictions about things 
um, they they just don't come true. And this is not something that's new. It's, and the 60 Minutes begins, uh, we ran out of time in 1970. You know, that's different. We usually are running out of time like in 10 years or in 12 years. That clock never starts, though. Like it's been 12 years for the last 10 years, and it's still 12 years. Uh, apparently, that clock's been running since 1970. In 1970, before I was born, before most of you were born, uh, it was over. It's not a positive thing, you know, extinction. And uh, I don't think it's the right way to start the year, but that's how they uh, chose to do it. They dug out a guy named uh, Paul Ehrlich who wrote a book called The Population Bomb. And uh, he wrote this, I think, back in the 60s, and uh, about 1968. And the whole idea is we have too many people and we have to start limiting the number of people. There are many people today who talk about this. And the idea is that we're using up too much of our resources. And, you know, there's probably some math and some science that suggests that that might be true, that we are using our our resources. And as Christians, I think we have to pay attention to the fact that we're supposed to be stewards of the earth. I think that we need to pay attention. I think that one of the uh, things Christians ought to be doing is, uh, you know, recycling, like really recycling, not the kind of recycling that we actually do, which is this not actually recycling. It's called aspirational recycling. If you if you Google it, you can look it up. Aspirational recycling is that you think you're recycling because they've got three different bags at the Starbucks or the Costco, and you get your free sample at Costco, and uh, you put your spoon, your plastic spoon, in the plastic recycle, and you put your leftover, uh, you know, hummus because you didn't like that flavor in the food recycle bag, and then you put your uh, your paper plate or your paper little cup in the paper recycle bag. And uh, you feel good about yourself because you're recycling, but then you find out there's really only one bag in there and it's all getting mixed in the same thing. Uh, It's called aspirational recycling. You think you're recycling, but you're not. Nobody's going through it. It's it's uh, in and even uh, the New York Times reported recently that a lot of our recycling that we've been selling to China, apparently they used to just put it in the hole. Now they just dump it in the ocean. And. you know, then that's we shouldn't be doing that. We should actually be recycling. There's there's got to be some ways to do that. I think that that makes sense, right? That's a technology that exists. We're not talking about some kind of fanciful thing. And and you know what? Whatever you believe about ch- climate change, whatever you think of the politics of that, and all the reports you're for it, you're against it, it's a hoax. Whatever you think, it really doesn't matter because we should be recycling anyway, right? That seems to make a lot of sense to me, um, and those kinds of things. But this notion that Human beings are not capable of dealing with challenges in uh, population growth and challenges to resources. I don't particularly buy it. Now, as a Christian, I do think that uh, the world comes to an end. I tend to believe it comes to an end in a more literal way as the Bible is describing. The Bible describes things in a figurative language, but at some point, Jesus comes back. And at some point, most people when you look at the book of Revelation and things at the end times, there's two events where a third of the population are wiped out. Some people think it's uh, something that God causes to happen. Some other people think it's war, nuclear war, or pestilence, or, you know, there's different, whatever the case is, you know, but we're still here at that point in time. You know, that there are there are people living, there are societies functioning, there's economies working, all of that stuff is still happening. We didn't all die because too many people were on the planet. And, I, you know, this is something that is very old, and the solutions that are being offered are are not very good. Uh, Paul Ehrlich just, uh, he wrote that book in 1968. This is something he said in 2014. 
It's hard to say because I don't think there's asking what are we going to do about too many people because you know he believed that the earth was going to that we were going to just die off in the 70s. Okay, that was one of his uh his prophecies is that we're already too many people. And so then in the 1970s, we are going to die out. He actually said this in, in his book, 1968, the battle to feed all of humanity is over. Okay, we're talking about 50, almost you know, 55 years ago. The battle to feed humanity, all of humanity is over. In the 1970s, the world will undergo famines. Hundreds of millions of people are going to starve to death in spite of any crash programs embarked upon now. At this late date, nothing can prevent a substantial increase in the world death rate. I'm thinking, if, you, if I think that, why even bother to write the book? I mean, if, you know, I think, wouldn't I, maybe you write the book because you want to make some money because you got to uh, build yourself a cave somewhere, buy some seeds, and, uh, you know, hang. If you really believe that, then uh, I guess you would be trying to go live somewhere uh, where you can survive whatever is going to come. That never seems to happen. You know, remember whenever there's like, uh, you know, somebody out there who says Jesus is coming back, you know, next Thursday, and uh, which he's not, uh, or he might be, but nobody knows that. If somebody tells you that the Lord is coming back at a particular time and date, they're wrong. And, um, you know, I, it amazes me when that comes from some uh, Christian ministry somewhere, and uh, Jesus is coming back, you know, on January 22nd, and uh, so make sure you send in your donation. You know, for what? If he's coming back in two weeks, I probably don't need your donation. I'm not going to get around to it. You know, but if you're still asking for it, then I guess you don't really believe it. Just a, a cynical point that I'm making. Anyway, back to our uh, our eventual extinction. This is Southern California Live, 888-528-2557, uh, 60 Minutes went on with this on Sunday night. Oh, humanity is not... So- this is Paul Ehrlich uh, today. Okay, so he wrote that book in 1968. He made all these predictions for the 70s. None of it happened. Um, there was a period of time, by the way, when he was... Somebody bet him some money, and they said, you pick 10 resources that you think are going to be more expensive uh, because of their scarcity, and I will bet you, I believe it was $50,000 or something like that that he would give to whatever this guy's charity was, and he lost the bet. Uh, Over the following 10 years, all of those resources had a 30% decrease in prices because there's plenty of them. And just about everything this guy says is wrong. Anyway, they they brought him back to a Stanford professor, brought him back to uh, 60 Minutes. Well, humanity is not sustainable to maintain uh, our lifestyle, yours and mine, basically, for the entire planet. You'd need five more Earths, not clear where they're going to come from. Just in terms of the resources that would be required. Resources that would be required, um, the systems that support our lives, which, of course, are the biodiversity Uh, that we're wiping out. Uh, Humanity is very busily sitting on a limb that we're sawing off. That's how we begin uh, the year. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be responsible or that there isn't alarming research out there about different things. Most of the predictions have been wrong, and I'm not even about that. But have we just lost the, the human spirit? Have we lost... I think that the the idea that as human beings, we can conquer some of these things. We we should pull back. We sh- There's a lot of things, I think, that, you know, in excess that are happening that, you know, maybe our way of life, particularly in the United States, is not sustainable. Okay, fine. But are we, is this really an extinction event? And that's what scientists are saying, that we're in the 
the middle, if you do some reading about it, the middle of a sixth mass extinction. And the studies find that three quarters of Earth species could vanish within 300 years. Um, and that, um, and some people say there's nothing we can do about it, but most people are saying, well, if we conserve and uh, we don't uh, use all of the land, if we could just save 30% of the land and not develop it, uh, then we're going to be fine. Uh, I'm for that, by the way. Let's let's preserve it. See, I feel like that's a much better approach to say, you know what? We are supposed to be stewards of the earth. Let's start doing that. Let's not pretend to be recycling. Let's actually recycle. Let's find new ways of energy and really push that. A lot of people wonder, you know, if you've ever been on a mission trip and you're going to a place where people really are starving, where there isn't a lot of food, you know, I was on one trip one time and somebody said, you know, what these people need is a Costco. And I thought, well, (laughs) it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, But part of the problem was refrigeration, right? In fact, there was a Costco not too far away in uh, whatever would have been the closest modern city, maybe 45 minute drive away, much longer walk uh, for a lot of people living there. But most of the people that we were visiting, they don't have electricity, you know, so you can't buy the bag of frozen chicken and bring it to your house. It's not going to work. Uh, you know, the milk would sour and that's part of the problem. But as, as places develop, you get power and then you have refrigeration and you start to solve the food problem. There's plenty of food. It's the distribution of food that's the problem. Think of all the food that we throw away. We throw away tons of food. We have garbage disposals that are made to chop up your food and send it into the sewer uh, because we have so much. There is an abundance. I do think that we need to work on how to do this. When you And it gets complicated because when you get into the, the conversations about climate change and global warming, some of the agreements that are being proposed, not really followed by most people, but that are being proposed – limit the development of power plants and limit the development of things that would actually help feed people who are starving in different parts of the world. It bugs me because I feel like our, our priorities are upside down with all of that. I think that, um, that human beings are capable of doing the right things for the preservation of people, for the preservation of the earth and for taking care of 8 billion people. I mean, we're totally wrong to say that 3 billion people uh, was too many people. That's what uh, people were saying. Why are we pulling out these people who were wrong for all these years, by the way, 60 Minutes, who made comments about the world and they missed the fact that there would be a revolution in farming technology, revolution in moving water around, revolution in all kinds of things. I believe something that is true about the way God made us. He made us to do to be able to achieve incredible things. When you think about the fact that we sent people to the moon, whether or not that was a good use of resources or not, I think it, I think it was. I think the technologies that we developed because we went to the moon are the reason that we're better at moving water around and better at refrigeration and better at all kinds of things. You know, I think going to Mars you know, on the one hand, going to Mars might be ridiculous, but on the other hand, we're going to develop technologies that actually could help people here on Earth eat and help people have better lives. There's an advantage to that. But imagine this. People, they like to say that we sent people to the moon in a washing machine. That's about right. 
there is a couple of years ago at the anniversary of Apollo 11, there are a couple of movies that came out. One of them was it's called Apollo 11. It's a documentary on Apollo 11. And it's just kind of fascinating. You probably find that online somewhere now or rent it. Um, but it's amazing when you think that the computer that you have in your pocket right now is better than the computer on that spacecraft that went to the moon. That's an incredible thing. Um, and then there was another movie. It was called First Man. It was a movie about Neil Armstrong. And they did a great job in that film showing what a piece of junk that spacecraft was when you think about it. And we sent that to the moon. Uh, the way we've been able to develop medicines, the way we've been able to develop more farming techniques, the way I think that we can find better ways to recycle, better ways to move food, better ways to feed people. I think we've got to be on that track, not the everybody's going to die in 300 years, 60 minutes track. Number one, I don't think that's uh, scriptural anyway. Uh, I don't think it's against scripture to say that we might do things to harm ourselves environmentally. You know, I think we certainly can do that. I think at the end of the day, there will be people here uh, whenever the end times come. Uh, I think you have to believe that scripturally. Are you are you kind of following me here? I think that part of what we need to communicate as believers is not some of the stuff about how bad humans are. That, and and in saying that, yes, you know, theologically, you know, I believe that we're we're nobody is good. Jesus said that we need a savior. I'm not saying that, but I'm talking about the created creature who we are, and in spite of our sin, in spite of the fact that we need a savior, in spite of the fact that we're going to die one day because of sin. That's the wages of sin. In the meantime. It is amazing what human beings are able to accomplish when they have to. Throughout all of human history, we still don't know how they built the pyramids. We still don't know how certain things are done. It is an incredible thing. And I think that humanity is worth celebrating, not disparaging. I think that the the ability of mankind to overcome obstacles that are severe and significant is something worth celebrating. I think God looks down at his creature and enjoys that. Now, he knows what's on our heart. He knows, you know, if, you know, where our hearts are as far as taking care of other people. He knows all of those things. And I think God wants us to pay more attention to feeding people around the earth. I think that that is something that that humanity itself should be Every country, every culture should be working towards that. There is no reason in 2023 that we should have extreme poverty where people are just starving. I think we can overcome that. But see, I think that maybe some of the reason we don't, some of it's greed and some of it's you know politics and warlords, and I know there's all of that stuff. And uh, But I think that we can accomplish amazing things as human beings because God made us as creative creatures. What do you think? 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. Joseph in Gardena, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Hi, Joseph. Go ahead. Yeah. Is this Scott? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, that's a paradox where, where you you taking that out of context that nobody knows when the end will come. That's not true. Once the book of the apocalypse was written, everything was in there that tells you when he's coming back. First of all, he has to come back on Sunday. 
Wait, and that would be the Middle East time. I got a booklet on it. I could mail it to you, you know, probably. Hold, yeah, hold on, Joseph. There's a lot of different, you know, I know that there's a whole lot of different reasoning on that, but nobody knows who is right. You know what I'm saying is that at the end of the day, we'll find out when we find out. Well, let me, let me put it to you this way. Okay. <clears throat> he, he has to come back on Pentecost Sunday. Okay. Why do now, you say that? It's it's everywhere. I'll, 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 yeah. one, one, hey, one step at a yeah. time. Hey, okay? listen, Joseph, I appreciate it. It's not really the topic that, that we're on here, but I, I appreciate that. But the thing is, is that, Joseph, there's people who say that he'll come back on other other um, Jewish holidays. There's there's a lot of different things. And you might be right. Uh, you might be absolutely right. But Jesus says that no one knows the the uh, day or the hour. All right. Now, you know, some people will say, well, once the tribulation period has and you got twelve hundred and forty days times two or whatever that number is, and uh, you might be able to pick the day from that point. I get that that kind of stuff. But I don't want us to get sidetracked on this, because what we're, we're really talking about here is this this notion that is being presented by 60 minutes that we're all going to starve to death before any of that happens, that we are incapable since 1970, apparently, of uh, stopping this from happening. And I don't agree. I think human beings have, I'm not saying that there's not a problem or that we're not wasting resources. I'm saying that I think that part of the reason that this is being said is that we have lost our ability to appreciate how we have been created in the image of God and how inspiring human beings can be when we set out to accomplish hard things. When we come back, I'll play some other clips from Paul Ehrlich that you'll find interesting about how he thinks we should start uh, shrinking the world population. And I play those things because it's out there. It's out there, and it's kind of scary what he has to say, uh, just because it's being thought about, especially in a world today where we have a lot of notions uh, about uh, humanity and what we should do with it. The number is 888-528-2557, 888 2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Good to be with you today. The New Year's edition of 60 Minutes, that uh, program. uh, How long is that program? It's an hour. Okay, an hour. Just kidding on that. People like, I'm going to call you and tell you how long. 60-minute program uh, started off the new year by telling us we're all going to die because of the sixth extinction event that is coming, which many scientists believe, basically that we're overusing our resources and that um, one of these studies says that human beings are using 175% of the available resources on the planet. That might very well be true. My claim, however, is that human beings have the ability the God-given ability to overcome those kinds of threats, to overcome things, to change things, that I think even as a people who are called by God to be stewards of the earth, I think that in sin, we're not stewards of the earth, but I do think that we have the capability of of doing that. It's important to think about as you as we talk about this, you know, the greatness of human beings is not something that God is calling us to for our own glory, and that that matters a lot. Okay, it is, I think that when human beings are able to accomplish amazing things, that's why it is so valuable and how often we actually hear it from many of our great scientists and people who have great engineers and people who've accomplished things. 
who give God glory and credit for it. You know, that that the historical notations of people like Isaac Newton and other great thinkers have noted in the margins whenever they come to the end of their research, you know, all glory be to God. And that's good. That part is good. It's not about glorifying human beings. But I do think that God has made us with the capability of of achieving things so that we can overcome some of the problems that we face. And in doing so, it, it can give glory to God. Now, human beings will take the glory on ourselves, and that's what we do. And there's Tower of Babel, and there's, you know, we, we're not going to do well if that's what our goal is. But I think it's the wrong goal to start off a new year like this news program did by telling us that we're all going to die because there's too many of us. And I'll give you some examples of uh, what some of the solutions that are proposed are in uh, just a minute. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. Tanya in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you. Thank you for letting me speak. Yeah, hi, Tanya. I just wanted to say that the... Hi. The gentleman that was on a moment ago, that's conjecture. He's getting it from some place. I don't know where, but, you know, nobody knows. The angel, the archangel doesn't even know. So yeah. I don't think that somebody on earth is going to get the book and say this is the date and the time. I think all man has failed at that. We've already seen attempts, and it's crazy. Yeah. We are living in a thing called the reset. They have to reset something because they have to make it look like it's broken. 60 Minutes is part of a whole, I've been just, it's amazing what they're doing in the media to scare people and freak them out as much as they can. People are having heart attacks. We, the only persons that are involved with destroying our country, our world, is the media, the elites. They are there. They don't even want a guy named Donald Trump. And I'm not crazy about the guy. They don't even want him getting into an, a position of telling the truth and moving forth. I don't even know if he's controlled opposition, but we are moving towards a reset. It's biblical. This is all biblical. Well, where is it? Where is it? Where is it biblical? I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, conversation about, you know, there's always people in the media trying to do stuff. Um, But I would be careful about it being biblical. Oh, no, no, it's biblical. You have to study it, though. That's the issue. And I mean, I study with Jack Hibbs and I also study with. Amir Safarte, he's very intelligent, but I also study at John MacArthur's. These guys are scholars. Yeah, so, so what do we do about it, it, though? You know, outside of you've got to come to the Lord. You must come to the Lord and get on your knees and ask for forgiveness individually. Man is just messed up. We're messed up, yes, we are sinners. We try as hard as we can, but we're going to go down a left road, a crazy road, we really have to get on our knees and humble ourselves. All this phenomenal machinery going to outer space, it's great. I love that we have technology. But we're also, as you know, there's a gentleman by the name of, and everybody knows who it is, Klaus Schwab, but he's very connected to another gentleman by the name of Nuval Noah Harari. Yeah. You know, Tanya, it's great. a little bit out of uh, my understanding on these things, but I, I appreciate uh, your your thought about us getting back to, you know, getting saved, because whatever is happening in the world, wherever we're going, um, people have to get saved. And clearly there's a direction. You know, there's a lot of theories. There's always theories about, you know, different groups of people taking us in certain ways. But clearly the world, I think the planet is barreling toward the the potential, and my my view scripturally would be that eventually there would be some kind of global tyranny 
you know, whether however we get there, you know, we might get there not because there's some secret plot, but because it's just super convenient. Right. I mean, digital currency is coming and, uh, you know, the crypto stuff probably not going to work, but eventually governments are going to issue that probably. And you know what? That's going to be super convenient. That's that's going to be, you know, a cashless society is convenient and a a one world economy where we don't have dollars and yen and rubles and rupees and all of that. Uh, that also is convenient. And I think people will I don't think it needs to be secret. It might be some secret plan to take us that way, and that's the way it is. But it also might just be that people are going to do stuff like that because it's convenient. There's definitely a direction that the world is going. But in the meantime, we don't know, as Tanya said, we don't know the, the day or the hour. And it could be soon. It could be a thousand years from now. We don't know. In the meantime, I think that it's, it's vital that we understand that human beings are capable. Even in the face of tyranny, human beings have always been capable of turning it around. Uh, the difference in the world today is that there's not another you know, part of the world that we can get in a boat in and go to, right? So that's the, the concern about global tyranny and things right now is that there's no place else to go. Uh, we're probably not going to colonize the moon or Mars or things like that any time in the next century or two. And uh, if we even are around that much, or even if you would want to, I tease my kids about it. Do you do you want to fly to the moon? Do you want to, you know, it might be like a touristy thing at some point in your life to go to the moon. They're like, no, I don't want to go to the moon. And I would agree. That's just not a trip I want to take. Um, 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation. Really what I'm getting at is this, is that, and, and maybe on that conversation, there are lots of thinkers who, because they believe we're killing ourselves, there becomes an elite group of people who will not be the people who are killed, but or limited. That's always the way this turns out with kind of the, the big government thing. This is Paul Ehrlich, who was on 60 Minutes this week, but in 1968, he wrote a book called The Population Bomb. And in 1970, he was interviewed, and this is what he said about what to do about too many people. He believed, by the way, when he was saying this, that there was going to be massive millions of people around the world starving to death because of too many people and not enough resources in the 1970s. Obviously, none of that happened. Here's what he said. Well, what it ought to do is this. The first thing, you, want, you don't want to put, I, I'm against government interference in our lives. You want to it's funny that he says that because now he's going to talk about government interference in our lives. Minimize that. So the very first thing the government should do is try and take the pressure off to reproduce. There's a lot of pressure in our society now to reproduce. If you're single, people try and push you into getting married. You know, uh, you, your wife, you have a, a, a bachelor over and your wife says, gee, shouldn't I have a nice girl over? The idea is, you know, nobody should escape. So there's pressure to get married. Young couples, if they don't have children, people say, gee, they must be sterile. They never say, gee, maybe they like uh, good wine and going to the theater and so on. They prefer that to scraping diapers. So there's pressure to have children. So the first thing that should happen is that the president ought to say, from now, here on out, no intelligent, patriotic American family uh, ought to have more than two children, preferably one, if you're starting a family now. Not, not and that's an interesting thing, that he thinks the government should make this kind of, uh, some kind of edict. Uh, that you shouldn't have kids. Now, this is 1960, 1970, he's saying this. The interesting thing is today, we need population to grow because uh, we can't support all of our social programs. So you have a different, uh, if population doesn't grow, right? If you don't have more taxpayers coming into the system, a larger number of taxpayers, then you can't pay for people who are uh, getting whatever it is from the system, you see. So you have a conflict of different notions of what needs to happen. You've got to have more people, more taxpayers uh, in order to pay for the system. But if you think that the world is going to end because we have too many people, now you've got a crisis, don't you? 
He continues. Any law, but just say this is what responsible people do. He ought to make the FCC see to it that large families are always treated in a negative light on television wherever they appear. There ought to be a tremendous amount of television time devoted to spot commercials, the sort we've had against smoking. Uh, but the ones in the middle, say, in the middle of Beverly Hillbillies, you get a scene which shows Los Angeles in the smog, and it just says this city has a fatal disease. It's called overpopulation. He's advocating in 1970 government influence in commercials in the manipulation of what people think through television programmings and things like that. Isn't that what the Twitter files are about today? Isn't that uh, something that we're actually seeing with different things? I don't I think this is a this is one of the reasons that I'm getting at with this is that when we are doomsdayers, when we don't have a biblical perspective, when we really believe that everyone's going to starve to death, the solutions become very top-heavy government solutions. It turns into the Hunger Games eventually. Like those novels are written because people understand that that's the course of humanity, that there will be some kind of elite group of people who run the show and everybody else is uh, you know, uh, trying to get on a game show so that they can survive. I think that people are better than that. I think that this is one of the reasons that I reject the the way of frightening people, even if there's something to be frightened about. Remember, you know, FDR, he wants one of his famous quotes is what? We have nothing to fear but fear itself. What happened to that? We need to bring that back because it's the fear that gets put into us. And it can come from all different areas that hinders us from accomplishing the things that we need to talk about. I'll give you a little bit more when we come back. Uh, this is Southern California Live. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Good to be with you today. On uh, this rainy day, as the bomb cyclone prepares to hit Southern California this weekend, I think that's a made-up term. I don't think that's an actual. Is there a weather person, somebody with a degree in that? I don't. I think that's some uh, notion that uh, is new. Bomb cyclone. Don't talk about that at the airport. They won't let you on your plane. Probably there must be a. It's just a big storm. You know, it's a big storm. Hopefully, it's going to dump a bunch of snow. It's going to overwhelm some of our uh, sewers and things like that and freeways. So be careful out there. Uh, be very, very careful. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven is the number. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. We're talking about the uh, coming extinction of mankind, according to uh, sixty minutes last Sunday, and also the a lot of scientists believe that we're in the middle of what they call a sixth mass extinction that will be caused by the overuse of our resources on the earth. And my, there's a whole lot of different directions that you can go with this. And, um, you know, people have gone through, through different things. But one of the things I think that matters, and I think this ties into our view of life, our view of humanity, and it gets into issues like, you know, abortion. It gets into our, our view of um, human beings around the world who are, are suffering and orphans and how we treat human beings. I think we're not doing as well at those things. And obviously we have is because we've lost a sense of who human beings are and how special they are. And it's a sensitive thing because we are not to bring glory to ourselves as, as people, 
that all glory goes to the Lord and things like that. But I think that when human beings accomplish things, when we take a look at the crises that may be coming, you know, I think it's probably fair to say whether the science is, you know, these predictions are right, fair to say that that we might be overusing our resources, fine. Then let's fix that. And I and to have confidence that, you know, unless the Lord has different plans, that we can fix that. And I think that is a healthier view of of humanity. And rather than say, let's start reducing people, which they've been saying for a long time, and that seems to be the new argument. This is Paul Ehrlich again from 1970. He wrote a book in 68 called The Population Bomb, and he was on 60 Minutes this week uh, telling us that um, that we're out of time. And this is his uh, some more of his solutions for uh, reducing the population. If that didn't, you could move to giving women bonuses for not having babies. That almost certainly would do the job. If that didn't have the effect, then you could move to changing the tax structure uh, so that people who had the money and had the children paid for the children. In other words, you would increase taxes on people with children rather than decrease them since they, when they have the children, they require more services. If that doesn't work, uh, then you'll have the government legislating the size of the family. And people say, oh, that's impossible. Government can never intrude and tell you how many children to have. Well, I got news. You know, it intruded a long time ago and told you how many wives you can have. Uh, and there's not the slightest question that if we don't get the population under control with voluntary means, that in the not-too-distant future, the government will simply tell you how many children you can have and throw you in jail if you have too many. So there you go. <laughs> you're going to prison. You have too many kids, you're in jail. Um, see, what I mean is that it's all negative, and it's all about people who are in power and in control. This is the direction of humanity and government. Okay, eventually there is some group of people who decide that they know more than everybody else, that they're smarter than everybody else, and everybody else should go eventually go to jail. Everybody else should somehow be be punished. It's a it's something that's not new. It's not something that is just in our current time. That's always been kind of the case of elite. You find that everywhere. We, I think, can overcome that by being more positive about where we're going, being more positive about what we can do. I think the church has a big role in that because it's the church ultimately that tends to drive things that are helping people eat in parts of the world where they can't. Missionaries and mission groups who have come up with different kinds of solutions. The technology exists today to put in water projects and do things relatively inexpensively so people have clean water. And if you give people who are in extreme poverty clean water, then they're healthier. And if they're healthier, they can farm better. They can live better. They can start a business. They can do all kinds of things. There are so many positive approaches to these things. And you can develop more ways for humanity to do better even as our population grows. Did you know that you can put every human being on earth in the state of Texas and give them about 100 square meters of property today? Uh, so when people tell you that the earth is overpopulated, you can put everybody in tech. You could put everybody in Connecticut. It would be crowded. But you can give everybody, you know, like a hotel room worth every individual that much space in Texas. That's how big the planet is. And really managing our resources is something that would really help um, and developing energy that's better, not even solar or nuclear, but, the you know, the fusion Success that apparently we had a couple of weeks ago, that probably is really the future. Clean, safe, uh, safer than nuclear, cleaner than anything else type of energy. If that gets developed, if human beings accomplish that, science accomplishes that, uh, then you can feed everybody. 
then it really changes a whole lot of where we're headed. Now, all of that is just science and just uh, where we're at as we tarry on this earth. It could be that Jesus is coming back and uh, sooner than that. And there's a lot of reason to think so. It it could be that we're going to have such economic crisis or government crisis or war that we're all going to have to be farmers. Um, that might be the new economy, right? Uh, so you never know. Whatever the case is, we've got Jesus. And you know, what started me thinking on this is why do we start off just scaring people? And I know that, that some people think that that is you know, part of a conspiracy to move people into you know, some kind of uh, tyrannical system, and that might very well be the case. I don't know. People have always said that. Um, and there have been movements where that has happened. But it also might be just what people do if they don't believe in God. As we become a culture, a world that rejects the idea of God, then what else are you going to do? You know, when we have something to fear, when we believe that things are bad that are coming, then all you have is your life. All you have is whatever you think this life is about. And that gets pretty depressing if there's no God. That means you don't really have a purpose, and you might as well try to boss people around. We become just what? Survival of the fittest. And that's, I think, what the root is of a lot of the scariness that is out there, a lot of what we see in the media. Maybe there's some you know, agenda, but I think a lot of it is just the lack of God. If there is no God and we look to the future and we just don't have enough resources, then I guess we need to limit people, don't we? I guess we need to wring our hands and decide, you know, human beings, uh, we're not really valuable. So um, let's just start limiting who can have babies. And if you have too many babies, let's put you in jail. And you don't need a conspiracy to make that happen. I think that's the course of a humanity that doesn't believe in God. That's the conspiracy, whatever might be out there. We believe in a God who loves us, who's coming, who is eager to see people come to Christ because there is everlasting life, that one out of one person is going to die anyway. And Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world for all who believe. Wherever you live in any language, whatever your background is, Jesus is the Savior. Our mission is that. And there's tremendous joy in that. We don't have to be afraid of death, whether it's coming because of sickness or it's coming because of famine or it's coming because a meteor is going to hit us or whatever it is. See where I'm at with that? Let's go into this year with the joy that we have in the Lord. Let me share something with you that happened. We talked yesterday uh, so much about uh, the football player on the Bills uh, who was hit and is in the hospital. It looks like he is doing better um, today. It looks like he is um, in a much better situation, but we don't really know everything that's going to happen um, with him. Uh, Damar Hamlin is his name, and uh, so at least the last that I looked before the show. But one of the things that has transcended all of the negativity, all of the fear, all of the hand-wringing and sort of anti-God approach to prayer and people making fun of people who say, you know, thoughts and prayers, it's amazing how much prayer, how much public prayer is happening. This is a reporter from ESPN yesterday. On ESPN, Disney's ABC ESPN, Dan Orlovsky, who leads prayer on live TV ESPN. This is what he says. I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want it's just on my heart that I want to pray. For it him. is. Damar Hamlin, right, right now. Um, 
I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry. Um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray. Truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 That's amazing that that happened on live television, ESPN. Didn't happen on TBN. It happened on ESPN. And you know what? The co-hosts were not offended. They were right there. I don't know what their faith is. I know that that Dan Orlovsky is a believer, and he felt like he should just lead that prayer more than just saying it. I think that's an example of just such a positive way to deal with hard things for believers. And when we are just very plain, when we are just plain about our faith, when we don't have some other kind of agenda, when we're just loving the Lord, you find that whatever walls are up against prayer, whatever walls are up with separation of church and state and schools, whatever walls are up, you know, because of different people's fears and concerns about the future, when Christians are Christians, when we're the church, when we are loving, when we just trust the Lord with it, those walls come down. There are so many examples of this in every culture in the last 2,000 years where the church has been there, how when people trust the Lord and they trust that the Lord is true and they do what they believe are called to do humbly before the Lord, great things happen. That's another great part of, of being human and having the Lord with us and the Holy Spirit with us is that miracles happen. And prayer is something that we see work. We see amazing how many people are praying maybe for the first time in years because of this. It's a good deal. All right, we're out of time. We'll have more tomorrow on our show. You can get the podcast on our website. If you would like to get the hour of the show, it's also on Spotify. Just look for Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll see you tomorrow again from 3 to 5. Have a great night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.